2: This is a Rogue Media
0: Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Max Olson, the Athletic.com, senior college football writer, joins us on 365 Sports. And, Max, I, you know, we kind of had a few stories to line up the day that all of a sudden Jay Norvell spoke, and here comes Colorado and – I mean, is the gift that keeps on giving?
3: <laughs> I, I saw an interview uh, that uh, Charlotte Sanders Dion's son did. I think it was Pat McAfee today, and he he asked what we're all bus us and like, why do these guys keep doing it? Why do they keep making it so easy for us? You know, I mean, just uh, just show up and play Colorado, right? You Not to talk about it, um, and not that I mean, I obviously Matt Rule actually didn't really say anything about Dion Sanders, but. You know, that's they're on high alert to turn anything into motivation. And, uh, you know, Jay Norvell uh, made, uh, made that easy for him. And, you know, uh, it, it was already amazing that college game day and big noon kickoff were locked in for Colorado State, Colorado. But, uh, you know, yeah, maybe a couple of extra eyeballs off this. Max, would it
2: surprise you to see them next week be able to go toe-to-toe with USC, especially offensively? Yeah, I, there's
3: that, – that's interesting. So, they've got they got Oregon next. Oh, yeah,
2: going right. to Oregon sorry. Next. Oregon next. That's what I meant. Yeah, Oregon.
3: Yeah, yeah. They're going to Oregon next and then and then SC at home. But, honestly, guys, like with the way this – this, I mean, first of all, 3-0 would be, you know, quite an achievement um, if they if – they, assuming they get past Colorado State. I, I think for where Colorado's at, I mean, we certainly know that offensively there's a ton of firepower there. Um, you know, there's things that they've got to fine tune a little bit, but I mean, should leading the nation in passing yards per game? Certainly it's a very effective offense defensively. I thought they were better in the second game. Um, you know, they were able to get enough stops and and do their job obviously. And, uh, and and didn't have that many busts, but you know, I, I, I kind of wonder when you, you go to, go to Austin, like if that game is like, you know, you know, like a, like a 63 to 45 kind of game or something, or or 50 or whatever, like if that, you know, 70 to 63 kind of a big-time big shootout or something, maybe you'd be happy about that. I don't know. I'm sure there's no moral victories with them, but I I bet they feel like they can get into a shootout and play with these really good um, Pac-12 teams, and and we're going to find out really soon here. I feel like they probably think they can score with the best of them, and, uh, you know, we'll see – offensively can they do enough to protect Shador and, and and continue to be this explosive uh, against obviously a better defense
1: max what did these first couple of games in this recent contest against Colorado told you about Matt rule and Nebraska
3: yeah long long road ahead um, I went over to their their uh, post practice press conference today and you could tell the, the the mood was kind of down with Matt rule that, that there's just a lot there's just a lot of work to be done here uh, in terms of Uh, teaching these guys how to win and how to respond to losses. And, you know, it's just kind of a weird quirk to the schedule that they start the season with two road games uh, against Minnesota and Colorado here, as opposed to just kind of getting what, you know, this week they get Northern Illinois at home. That probably should have been their season opener. And you kind of have all the elation of, of that first game and all that stuff. But, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a different mood, different vibe here rolling into your first home game as head coach at zero two. um, and I think it's uh, you know it's very unclear if is going to be playing against Northern Illinois, and uh, and that's concerning for sure. And uh, I think that they they just they know uh, they've got to be really really good, they've got to be really clean and and mistake free and not shoot themselves in the foot to win games right now. And, and they've made too many mistakes in these first two games, so um, I I don't think it's necessarily going to be like year one at Baylor. I don't know if it'll be that bottomed out, but uh, but certainly it's going to be be a tough road ahead.
0: You believe that uh, there are some that feels like he tears down a program to its basically core and even maybe tears out the, 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 uh, the concrete on the floor so that year two looks a lot better. I'm not saying he loses on purpose, but that's what he did at Temple. That's what he obviously did at Nebraska. I mean, at, at Baylor, you, you, mm. I don't know if he can do that. And, you know, he's got to show, not that they're going to get rid of him, but he's got to show a little bit more than that this year, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, to be clear, like, I think he really does like the veteran players on this team. I think they want to win with these guys. They want to win for those guys. This is not like he inherited, like, an extremely dysfunctional locker room and is having to kick people off the team and all this kind of stuff. Like, I think they are inherited a team that, that has not done much winning over the last few years and has a lot they have to figure out in terms of being consistent and, uh, and, and being a lot better in, in every way. Uh, but no, I they're, I don't think they're trying to go, you know, two and ten or one and eleven by any means here. I, I think they're trying to to win with what they've got here and, uh, and and try to try to make the best of it, try to get this thing to a bowl game. Um, and and you know, I, I don't think they ha- inherited a ton. I think I think it's it's going to take really good team football to win games. But certainly, I, I wouldn't say the Big Ten West has looked incredible so far. So I think they're going to have a chance to, to to potentially win two in a row here going into the Michigan game and then. You got to be able to rebound from the Michigan game and uh, and and go find a way to win some close games in league play. Uh, Max, who is gonna?
2: What are they gonna do at quarterback? Are they gonna do what like they did after Jeff Sims got hurt and rotate the the two guys, or do they have a a, a starter for sure?
3: Yeah, that, that no, not for sure on that. Um, you know, it, it, it's seeming pretty questionable or maybe unlikely that Jeff Sims is going to play this week with the the injury he suffered against Colorado. Um, I, I think that probably Heinrich Harburg would be. The, the first one off the bench there, um, he's the one who kind of got some good reps uh, against Colorado late, let a touchdown drive. I think Trevor Purdy's just been dealing with an injury, and so I think they're getting him back. But uh, yeah, I'm not saying he's out for this game. But I think Harburg probably has a little bit of advantage there. just He's had a chance to get more practice reps this week and stuff like that. And you know, I, they, that's that's you know, they're going to have to be able to figure out a way to run the ball, and figure out a way to uh, overcome the fact that they really do not have much in the way of a, a like good game experience when it comes to uh, Harbor Goal
1: Max, you uh, covered Texas for a long time, got to see them up close and personal, got to see some big wins, big non-conference wins, also got to see some falls. Uh, but what were your thoughts coming out of that impressive win over the Tide in Tuscaloosa last Saturday night?
3: Yeah, pretty pretty credit, incredible. I mean, really, what, what can you say? Like, it, it's... Uh... That, that was a masterful job um, by Steve Sarkeesian in terms of having that team ready to play, um, calling as good of a game plan as he's ever called, um, and and the execution. by like when Ewers, I think that was kind of the question mark for me. Was just could he do it? Could he could he handle this stage, this spotlight, this defense, and and uh, and go out there and, and and play his best? And he truly did. He played the best he's ever played in, in a Texas uniform. And you know, I, I think it's one of those performances. Like it, it does remind me a little bit of ago though, where I think. I think Texas gave everything they got when, when Alabama came to Austin a year ago, and that was as good as I'd seen them in a long time. And so the, the challenge is just consistency and doing it every week and doing it in, you know, in the 11 a.m. game when you're the big favorite, you don't necessarily care as much as you did when you're playing the night game in Tuscaloosa, right? Like you got to figure out a way to, to, to you know, I think they'll probably still end up in some close games in the Big 12. That's just how it is. And so, um, you know, the question of whether they're a playoff game or not will, will really come down to – can you avoid losing the games you shouldn't lose? And uh, they're probably going to be favorite in pretty much every game ahead here. So um, fascinating to see where they go on this journey. But uh, but that's a, that was a big time achievement, and, and certainly the most impressive Texas has been in a long time.
0: Who are you most imp- What side of the ball were you most impressed with? Their offense or defense?
3: Um, good question. Probably. I mean, they did a lot of things right on defense. I, th- I think certainly we probably should have questioned Jalen Milroe a little bit more and just how ready he was. I-, I thought you saw just how effectively Texas was able to spy him. And, and for whatever reason, Alabama doesn't build much of a design run game around Milroe which is confusing to me. So mm-hmm. I thought defensively they were up for the task for sure. But I, I just think offensively, man, it- it- you just you couldn't do it better than that. You really couldn't. I mean, I know they had a couple of miscues here and there, but Overall, I thought yours was, was super composed and, and really, you know, accurate, and, and they were just so explosive, you know, and I, and I think good balance run pass. I mean, the ability to, to hit those explosive plays downfield and then finish the game with, um, you know, running all that clock off and running the ball and uh, and being physical. Like, I was just a thing. Another thing, I just wasn't really totally sure where they were at going into week two here, and, uh, man, what a statement.
0: You know, you uh, you mentioned they use the spy – there, aren't, there can be some teams that have a spy, but you have to have the guy that can still like be able to go lateral with someone like Mill Rowe or whoever's a running quarterback, and not many teams can actually do that.
3: Right. And not many teams can just go, I mean, it, it, kind of plug in a five-star true freshman like they did with Anthony Hill in that game. I mean, it reminded me a little bit of um, of what, what we saw from Harold Perkins last year at LSU, mm-hmm. where... You know, you put him in some pretty big time snaps there, especially on third down and you're trusting a very, very, you know, physically talented, but young guy to go out and, and see the ball and make some plays. And I thought Anthony Hill was, was pretty incredible in that game. Very bright future for him. That was a huge gap for them to, to, to take him away from Texas A&M. And, you know, I think Pete Kodakowski and his, his defense deserve a lot of credit. I think those, those guys do a really good job and uh, certainly they have, they have built up. Uh, not just good talent. Um, not, I mean, we we know they have blue chip talent, but they've developed those guys. They've got depth now, and, uh, and I think they they you watch them in those big games when when these guys care when they, when when they're really playing. Like it's everybody attacking the ball. It's good tackling. It's uh, it's pretty impressive to see.
2: Max, when do you start put putting coaches on hot seats?
3: Um, feels feels a little early. Feels a little early. I mean, I you know I think probably this weekend, you know we've got a pretty intriguing you know it's not the greatest schedule in the world this weekend um, when you go through it especially this, with a lack of top twenty five showdowns and stuff. But you know I think Tennessee Florida will be interesting to watch because I think Billy Napier is somebody that has got to got to put a good year together here. Um, I, I think the same obviously. Is, I mean you're, you're certainly hearing a lot of Jimbo talk this week, and I you know honestly guys when I look at their schedule, um, you know what's it going to take for Jimbo Fisher to be fine? There? Like, do you think it's going to take nine wins?
1: I yeah, mean, yeah, something, something a lot. I mean, uh, no I, less than eight. That's I, for sure. I would say
3: eight
0: and four yeah. is the, is the, uh, is the lower level.
3: Yeah. I think that's probably and at this point in the tenure to, you know, if you go eight and four and say, we'll all replace DJ Durkin. Like, I'm not sure that really plays with people. Like I think you got to go better than this with the talent they've got. And, you know, they as frustrating as that Miami game was, like, clearly they've got a quarterback. I think Wigman looks awesome. And so, and, and you know, that offense with Evan Stewart and, and, and you know, Noah Thomas and the players they've got, playmakers they've got, like, I think there's some really good pieces there. So I think the expectations should be pretty high. But, man, you look at that schedule and it's just like, you go down and, all right, if, if you say they can only lose two more games, like, which ones do you circle? Like, I think they're, it's in a very, like, uh, treacherous spot now where, um, they've got to go rip off a lot of wins in SEC play.
2: Yeah, they're, like, we don't know a lot about Auburn yet, and that's that's their, their first SEC game. And then I think after that, I think maybe you'll, you'll start to see the tide swing one way or the other on, on Jimbo. If they go beat an Auburn team w- with a coach in the first year and a transfer quarterback who hasn't played that well yet, then maybe people will back off of them. But then, you know, if they don't play well in that game, then I, I think that – you know, the torches start lighting in, in College Station.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, you go look at the schedule. The, the idle week is October 21st, and, uh, you know, they got UNL, ULM this week. But then it's uh, Auburn, Arkansas, Alabama, Tennessee. Like, <sighs> if you're, you're four and three going into that bye week, you know, after playing Alabama, Tennessee back-to-back and, and, and on the road in Knoxville, like, I think people are going to be pretty uncomfortable. Uh, so I'm, I'm very – very interested to see, yeah. Can they take care of business against Auburn and Arkansas and show up for these really big games? Um, you know, we got the big – I feel like we've kind of got that crossroad moment coming now a little bit, not just because they lost to Miami, but just kind of because of the way the schedule sets up. Max Olson
0: with us, 365 Sports. to Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, and I'm David Smoke. Max, uh,
2: Miami did show out last week in a way that mm-hmm. they have not in a long time. And they, they showed some athleticism that they have not showed in a long time. Uh, when is it proper to say, oh, they Mario Cristobal might have done something here?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's still early in the tenure, um, but clearly they've got Paul shaken in his Florida State suits over there. So yeah. that's encouraging, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> No, I, I think it's um you know I think you saw some some good signs uh, from Miami over the weekend. I think Tyler Van Dyke. It looks like he's kind of back on track um, in Shannon Dawson's offense. I, I think the offensive line certainly looks improved, um, and that's a that's a group that they've they've got some very talented guys up front. You know that they're going to with Marre Cristobal. I think they made a good DC hire. Obviously, that game was was pretty wild, but um that's that's a huge that's a huge one for just Miami and and the and the feeling that there's some positive momentum there and you know, can they show up in some of these big ACC games? You know, we'll see. If, if they're really good, then that makes that, you know, it makes that race a lot more interesting in that league. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I think if you're a Miami fan, you're feeling like this thing is finally kind of pointing in a better direction after uh, a lot of rough games last year. How would uh,
0: a win by West Virginia against an arch rival Pitt, other than it's a win, they need one, they'd be two and one, how much would that help Neil Brown in your opinion?
3: Yeah, I think it would help a ton. Um, and, I, and I think this is the West Virginia team that, you know, acquitted itself fairly well against Penn State. Uh, you know, I, I thought that that was, um, you know, for, for how talented the Penn State team is, you know, they're certainly one of the three best teams in the Big Ten. I thought West Virginia held up pretty well in that game. And, you know, I, I think that uh, – I think they got a chance here against Pitt. I, I do think they have a chance to, to win this game. Um, you know, I they need it. And, and it feels like it's a team that's still kind of – figuring out the identity a little bit coming out of the, the Penn state game. Um, but, but certainly I think Neil Brown knows going into this year, you know, he was given this year, he's given this chance to to kind of prove that this thing's pointed back in the right direction. And uh, yeah, that was, I think in terms of making a statement here and uh, and taking some pressure off to be huge. Do you think that
1: Oklahoma can just go on business as usual, or do you think there was a little crack created last week with the whole ordeal of uh, Art Brows being on the field with Jeff Levy and the, the massive reaction that there was to that.
3: Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it, the interesting thing is that Oklahoma fans already did not seem super pleased by the offense and just <laughs> by the, by, by the offensive coordinator prior to that thing, uh, you know, popping up. And so, um, you know, I, I really like what they've got. I mean, I, I know the SMU game was frustrating in some ways. It was closer than Oklahoma, Oklahoma fans wanted it to be, but, I like what they have built on both sides of the ball. I think Oklahoma is going to be one of the more improved teams in the country if, if they're well-coached this year. Cause I think the talent, the, the roster flip that Venables has done, I, I think is encouraging. I, I think they're I think they have a, they, they have every reason to be better. You know, we'll see if Dylan Gabriel can kind of take his play to another level this year, but I, I like what they've got. And, and so, yeah, if, if they underwhelm, it's going to, you know, I think the, the pressure is going to be pointed to the coaches and not necessarily the talent there. And so, um, you know, it certainly you get the sense just based on the reaction from Joe Castiglione um, that, that that definitely crossed the line. Uh, that was a much stronger statement than I expected from him late at night on that whole deal. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that Oklahoma is going to be fine, but but certainly uh, the stakes are, are a little bit different here for, for Jeff Levy.
0: Yeah, I wonder what the parameters were on Bryles. Perhaps he doesn't need to be a practice or whatever, but in this case Castiglione – Making that statement at night, either one, he was really pissed, or number two, mm-hmm. he needed to respond that way, even if that's not what was the parameter, because the fan base seemed to be pretty caught up in along with the media too. So it's weird. It, uh, And then, of course, Levy responded. He certainly
3: got the sense that just and Venables thought that was never going to happen.
0: Yeah, like that was just a given without maybe even having to say anything about it. Uh, Max, great. Yep. thanks for your time as always. Appreciate your segments when we get them. And uh, I know you're busy. We appreciate your time on 365 Sports. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Uh, and that's Max Olson, senior writer for TheAthletic.com. I mentioned this yesterday, but the, sh- the story by Bruce Feldman in TheAthletic.com on the uh, business manager partner when it comes to promotions and marketing, what she has brought to the table, where she started with Deion Sanders in Colorado, with Snoop Dogg and many others. Uh, It's a great story about someone I'd never really heard of. Probably should have if I'd been more involved in the entertainment business. But it is just a great story about how they have put a lot of this together with what Colorado's getting. And someone asked in the chat room when we uh, had a picture that are the players wearing practice jerseys with their social media accounts? Yes, on their back of the jerseys. That's really a very smart thing. That's part of the... You know, just kind of letting guys be a little bit different, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just promoting your guys is what it is. Um, And it's a different way of doing it. I think – I don't know. I know I saw them do that. I don't know if I've seen others do that as well. I feel like there's been sort of, you know, various programs trying to find ways as best they can to promote, like, the individual far more than they ever have before. But that was one of the first examples that you saw of like, okay, yeah, that's different, that's kind of wild. Uh, It sort of takes a a second to – sort of adjust to, like, wait, what? Social handles, but it's an uh, incredibly smart, and I, I haven't read that article. I think that, um, you know, I think Colorado's still probably overwhelmed. I don't think that they could have expected that they'd be getting – I mean, as much as you were positive about the attention you would be getting, I feel like with all of the media, like three weeks in a row of Big Noon and, like, college – I did, did they have enough people on staff to, like, were they prepared for, like, this tsunami of, of attention, you know, or, or not? But, um, they've, you know, gotten a lot of it and, uh, they're going to get more of it. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that ideas like that are what can separate you, especially when you're having success and players see that. They see that you're winning. They see, like, oh, that's cool. They're doing social media. And especially for, like, I can't relate because, dude, I've tweeted, like, three times this entire week, like, literally the entire week. Um, and so I'm just I'm just not, you know, somebody that's on there all day long every single day. But, you know, it's important. And for some people, like 20-year-olds, like that's what they want to do when they grow up. They just want, like, what do you want to do? I want to be a social media star. Whatever that is, like just a star. And I can't relate to that much. But for 17-year-olds who the whole livelihood is, you know, outside of reality is all online and social media and your handle and your brand or, you know, whatever else, then, yeah, that's that's a program that would be that much more appealing to you, I would think.
2: Well, I mean, it's embracing promoting players, which has been something that the NCAA is, is has run away from or taken advantage of for a very long time, and um, you know, to its detriment in the long term, obviously. But they had a certain way of doing it that was uh, kind of counterintuitive to promoting the entire brand. You know, like. Um, there were many years where the Heisman Trophy winner is coming back, and if you would ask college football if that was happening, they'd be like, "No, he's another player, just like everybody else." Let's not uh, let's not give the, this poor guy a big head here, you know. Uh, then when you have to look at the leagues that are successful, they promote like, "Hey, you need to watch LeBron James because he's different." And now we're getting to see a point where, yes, let's make Caleb Williams a big deal because he's a big deal. Yeah, like let's let's enjoy it while yep. we have it, and so. You know, to whatever degree you can promote yourself and whatever, they need to do that and make the athletes feel like they are part of this because that's where it came to the, the complaints of the athletes, and rightfully so, that like, well, you know, they're making money off me. Why can't I make money off of me? And, you know, promoting their TikTok handle is really a drop in the bucket for everything else for most of these guys. Wouldn't you
0: love to see uh, Woody Hayes, Bo uh Vince Lombardi, and, again, some of those guys were good because they were always ahead of the curve. But those coaches coming back, Lombardi was pro, coming back, come in, walk in the door to go watch Ohio State or whoever practice and go, what the hell's going on here, you know? What, <laughs> the, what do you
2: mean? The, the, mu- the music alone would because probably Because of who they were them. and
0: where they were when the time was 40, 50 years ago in college football and see the changes from not only NIL – the transfer portal, but also the value of putting someone's social media up on
1: yeah. their like, practice. Social media and most... in the internet didn't exist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, so like I know, I know, I know, I was, I I know you do like any industry from 40, 50 years ago and they'd be amazed, but I, I see what you're saying. It just it, I don't think they would grasp it, though. Yeah. I, I don't think they, they, they wouldn't understand the concept of what's the internet, what's yeah. TikTok, what's – I mean, yeah, it would blow their minds because it wouldn't be I, recognizable outside of the sport. Uh, I basically. think the funny yeah. part would be like Woody Hayes – and
2: Bo I'm like, oh, we paid this kid a hundred grand to go to. It. So what are you? are just saying yeah, that so out loud? Well, yeah, so you we just Who to go. So who did difference. it? Like, so you you had a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy drive yeah. a car near a restaurant near his house and put it in the trash can, and then his car came around and got it. Yeah. And that's what you did. Like, no, no, no. Uh this guy who donated a bunch of money, he owns a uh, a chicken restaurant, and he's gonna do some endorsements for that chicken restaurant. Like,
0: what? They're gonna lose Yeah, no, it's Totally yep. legal. No, it is. It, it is. It is totally legal. From back with whatever they were doing.
2: This has been a Rogue Media Network production.